You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to a man, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12, where God's going to show us this morning um, how to find strength in the middle of, of suffering. You know, suffering is such a common theme in the Bible, and we touch on it here. And honestly, I, I think I hit a stretch sometime in a, a year or two ago, realizing like, wow, we talk about this a lot. But it's because the Bible talks a lot about it, and it's a lot of our common experience. So whether you're walking through the middle of the stuff right now, or whether uh, you know somebody that's walking through it, I, I believe God has some things for us this morning to, to consider, to, to encourage us and, and help us. Uh, to deal with the challenges and sufferings that we walk through in life. The rest of chapter 11 talks about, if you remember last week, we talked about the multiple false gospels. And the rest of chapter 11 is Paul's kind of defending his leadership in the church. And he goes on a list of all the things that he did. Five times, I think, he he said that uh, he had received 40 lashes, less one, like 39 times that he had been whipped at a time. Experience that five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times. And a day and night he was adrift at sea. I don't know, clinging onto a, a board. And all of it was just because he was serving Jesus, helping people know the gospel. So he's kind of unpacking for them his qualifications. This is his spiritual resume, if you will. And then he comes down to chapter 12. And he, got, he says this in verse 1. He says, I must go on boasting. He's continuing to to explain why he's legitimately an apostle. So read with me in chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. The Bible says this. Paul says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord, God revealing to him. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Very clearly, Paul was the one who was caught up into the third heaven. He was the one experiencing this and kind of weird language to us. And I, I don't know all what his reasons were, but I think he's just the way he shared it this way. But he's trying to be humble in some way. And let's face it, this is weird. He's <laughs> like, what? He's like, I don't know who that guy was, but he was caught up and all of that. It's a bit strange, but let's go on. I'll unpack that for us in a moment. He goes on to say in verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, this thorn, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, 
I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest and dwell upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, last week, as we talked about the multiple Gospels, one of the ones that uh, I mentioned to us was the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel that says everything should be good, we should be wealthy, we should be healthy. If you're not in those camps, you're not living right, you don't have enough faith, there's something wrong with you and God. It's kind of the argument that Job's friends made about Job, and God really lashed them pretty hard. It's really a very shallow, superficial, if at all, not even a fully legitimate expression of the Christian faith. But that prosperity gospel struggles when we turn the page today with suffering because there is no, no reason for suffering in, the, in that false gospel. And Paul says, look, three times I asked God to take this thing away from me. And he was suffering in the middle of it. And God said, nope, no can do. Uh, this is not what is best for you. It's going to stay. So I want us to notice two or three things this morning. Actually, I lied. Three or four things that I want us to notice about suffering. And the first thing is, is that suffering comes from many sources. It comes in all sorts of shapes and packages and sizes to us. And there's big ones and little ones and blue ones and orange ones and red ones. And it just... It, it just temporary ones, long-term ones in our life, but it's normal for us to go through suffering. Now, Paul had this, this thorn in his flesh. He experienced this incredible vision, these revelations before God. It, was, it seemed a bit like an out-of-body experience to uh, with what Paul's describing. It was not normal. In fact, it, he knew it was not normal. It was so breathtaking that he couldn't even describe it well. He's even struggling to find the words. And in the process of that, God in his wisdom knew that if Paul walked around and didn't have some antagonism in his life, that he was going to be conceited and prideful. Look at me. I've experienced God. I have this super special spiritual experience that none of you else out here have ever even had. And he was going to be lifted himself up into pride. So God gave him kind of this, this antagonist in his, in his body, in his flesh, his spiritual nature, however that is, to, to humble him, to cause him to be needy of God, to caused him to be acutely aware of his weakness in order for him to be strong in Christ and not to be strong in himself. Well, what exactly was this thorn in his flesh? There's been all kinds of things that people have surmised over the years. Some have thought it was a speech impediment. Maybe. I kind of find that not so much, probably. Some thought it was maybe some sort of physical disability, other kinds of things. To me, I just think that the, the thorn in his flesh was the, was the messenger of Satan. He go, the Bible says in verse 7, he's like, God gave me a thorn. This idea of a thorn is, is think more than a little rosebush thorn. This word is used as something that could impale someone. Think of it as a sharp stick, like if you're trying to defend yourself that you might jab into someone else. Think more like a knife along the way. This thing stabs. 
stabbed and would hurt and and it was was painful to him it was it was big and he said it was given to him to harass him in verse 7 that word harass means to beat up or punch or pummel so he was he was black and blue he was being poked and jabbed by a messenger of Satan. That word messenger is the same word of, of angel. It's the same word as angel. And in my mind, the, the scripture seems clear that the thorn was a messenger, an angel of Satan. In other words, it was a demon of Satan that, that God superintended and allowed Satan to send out to be a harassment directly to poke and to prod and to stab and to prick and to Paul. And I, I don't know so much in his physical flesh. That word flesh can mean physical body, but it's also our sin nature and our temptation and where we are. And is not the enemy. Does he not come at us with temptations and accusations and poking at us, you know, hindering our walk with Christ? And in the middle of that, that's brought humbleness and humility to Paul. So in my mind, I, I don't worry about exactly what kind of stuff it, it all is that might be out there. I, it's just very clear to me that God sent a, a fallen angel, allowed a fallen angel to go and to be used for good in Paul's life to thwart him. And the cool thing about this is this. I'm glad we don't know exactly what it was, exactly how it played out, exactly the stratagems of the enemy. Because what that means is, is that you and I, when we find ourselves in the middle, middle of being poked and prodded, and we're suffering in life, sometimes that suffering we discovered in the book of Job that the enemy used death of a loved one, used physical illness of his own family, used economic loss, used cataclysmic events in nature. All is a work of, of attacking Job. So for us, when we experience these things in life, they cause tremendous suffering. For us, it's irrelevant. Is there a supernatural, immediate, direct cause behind it? I get nervous when people see demons behind every rock and bush and every little thing that moves. And I'm like, good night, you know, come on. God's bigger than all of that. But at the same time, the enemy is active and he thwarts the purposes of God. But for you and me, let's just keep it in the real world with what we know, what's in front of us, that we experience all kinds of suffering and it doesn't matter ultimately where the source is. It all has the same effect. It threatens us. It causes fear. It causes worry and anxiety in our life. It causes us weakness, temptation. It causes all kinds of things in our life. And in the middle of that, we have only uh, choices to make of how exactly we're going to live. Some of those things in our world, guys, that, that can be such tremendous struggles for us. Today's Valentine's Day. For many of you, it's a wonderful fun day. For some, it's not so much a fun day. The crushing weight for many people in our world that live a life of singleness without having that, that person in their life, there's a crushing level of, of, of suffering that can settle in into their world. Or maybe a reminder of a difficult marriage or past relationship, the suffering that comes in the middle of that. We, we can we shoulder all kinds of things. Illness can creep in, whether it's acute, immediate, or long-term kind of disability or those things in our life loss of people that we love, 
financial bankruptcy, walking through that process of losing your job and all of those. Some of you guys have, have walked through that in these in recent days. Just, the, just all kinds of ways, the loss of a child, the, 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 a, a, a life without having children, just all of those kinds of sufferings, things that push in and crowd in and kind of close in around us, things that we would, in our quietness when we're at home, either on when we're laying our head on the pillow at night that we think about, that we would give anything to change, that we wish there would be some way we could bring that about. Those are the sufferings, and they jab us, and they stick us, and they're, they're there as a kind of a constant reminder, and they're a pain point, a source of, of pain for us. You guys know we've been doing quite a bit of remodeling in our home. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it's just trying to fix, you know, a lot of deferred maintenance. And uh, I think a week or two ago, we, we wanted to replace carpet in a little bin that we had. That the, the carpet, it needed replacing when we moved in like 16 years ago, so it was really bad. Right, you know, it looked like it'd been there from the 80s, maybe. And anyway, so we were just going to put down some cheap vinyl, you know, click flooring in. And I, we took the carpet up, and I knew there was a soft spot forming. But what I didn't realize was, is there was a particle board underneath it, kind of sawdust and glue, you know, that stuff, which is horrible for flooring, especially when it's a kind of an entryway into your house and it gets wet and it was disintegrating. I'm like, okay, I guess we now get to tear that all up. Just, I just wanted to lay my flooring, you know, kind of be done with it in the afternoon, and doesn't that look great? And we tore that up and realized that was a chore, and then we realized underneath that was a little thin layer of plywood. Well, I won't go into all the details, but we tore that up, and in the process, you know, working with my hands, I got a number of cuts, and one of them, a couple of days later, I noticed was sore, and it started getting red and swollen, and it had gotten infected, and I tell you, for a week, I would just bump that thing, and it was just like, whoo, you know, it constant reminder. It was the body's way of saying, Sean, pay attention. This is not good. You need to take care of yourself more. That's what this thorn was for Paul. It was a constant reminder, a jabbing into his heart and life and soul. Those things that I talked about a minute ago, every one of us have those things in our life that we just go through the nature of life and we bump into them and they hurt and they're painful, and they're burdens that we care, and they don't go away. Now, we have a number of choices in our life to how we respond to this. And the choice is ours, guys. Some, too often, and you guys, I feel the need to share this increasingly in the cultural world around us. Too often, the world acts like it's a victim to everything. Too often, we blame our reactions, even our emotional reactions on everything around us. And it's like, that's kind of the way we're raising kids in the culture around us today. And it's like, look, take responsibility. But we have choices to how we respond to these things. We have, in the middle of the suffering, we have, we have choices to make. We can either get angry at God when we're going through those difficult things and become bitter, become jaded in our view of, God, why are you letting this happen? God, you're not fair. God, you're not loving me. What's going on, God? And we can look over to the fence and compare ourselves to other people like, God, you're not fair because none of these people have any of this. Why am I stuck with this? 
We can take that path if we want. And that bitterness will creep into our soul and rot our life away and just affect us so much. And just, it's it just awful. Or we can just kind of give up and just kind of just, you know, forget and just move on. Or we can kind of buckle down and, and kind of grit our way through it, like, well, I'm not going to get in, and it can, we can become hardened in the middle of it, kind of in our own strength and our own power dealing with it. Or oftentimes, as Christians, we can cry in the middle of it, and then we try to understand. That may be one of the most common ones, and we, we think about it, and we try to comprehend why is this happening, and we're, we're trying to make life equal out. It's almost a little bit of like that Eastern meditation stuff creeping in, almost like there's got to be a balance, a yin and yang and all of that, a spiritual karma in life. And folks, God is not in that world at all. And just like Job, we talked about on Thursday night, Job went through all kinds of suffering, lost his, lost his, all of his children died, lost all of his fin financial economic income. I mean, he just had a cataclysmic loss, went bankrupt and all of that. His, his illnesses, it hit his body. And we see Job early on in the book of Job doing okay, holding his head above water. He was in rough shape. But he's still committed to praise God in the good times as well as the bad. But it's not till later on, till those friends of his that come in. Job, why is this going on? Job, what did you do? And they start, this whole conversation goes on, trying to understand the depths of suffering and why God's allowing it. And Job, in the middle of that, begins to get his eye off of God and begins to try to figure out and understand. And I'm not dinging Job hard, and I'm going to love to meet him one day in heaven. I would have been there long ago uh, and, and struggling with that. But he begins to try to answer the question, why? Why? In the middle of it, he begins to fall off emotionally and begins to get where he shouldn't, and he's not trusting God in the process and the rest of the, at the end of the book, God kind of corrects them. So we have those choices. When you and I face those, those big challenges in life that are huge, that stop us in our tracks, we can respond in a number of ways that are not helpful. Or we can just throw in the towel and check out and say, I'm going to move away from that. I'm not going to deal with that pain anymore. That's why it's always easier to sell painkillers than it is health products. People will spend money and jump right on it to alleviate pain in our life. But, you know, well, I'll get around to doing healthy stuff. I'll get around to exercise. I'll get around to eating right. But today I just want to enjoy my ice cream, my whatever, you know, my Valentine's Day candy. Or we can take the last option, which is to humbly say, God, this really hurts. God, I don't like this. God, I'm struggling with this. God, this is awful. God, is there any way you can get this off my back and take this away? It's what Jesus did in the garden, right? He knew the answer to it, but it was okay for him to ask it, and he did it without sin. I want to challenge you, when you and I have those reminders, when we get jabbed again, and that thing that's always been suffering to us and always just constantly in the middle of that, that's not going away. It's okay to say, God, would you take it away? But if not, we have to get to the point where we'll say, God, I trust you that your grace is sufficient for me. You see, it's our, how we respond to these things is what matters. 
See, for Paul, this was a good thing for him. Paul was at risk of lifting himself up into pride and becoming a disaster. You see, God gave him an experience. The experience that he had was much like the, one of the other false gospels I talked about, wanting to chase after these experiences, all these deeper things with God. And there are some deeper things with God that for whatever reason God, like Paul, allowed there. But if that becomes your pursuit, something's wrong. And Paul experienced at such a level that he was going to become conceited and arrogant and undermine the very ministry of what he wanted to do. Have we not seen that in other spiritual leaders today who are so effective and so capable and they fall morally and they just all kinds of other things in their life? And God made sure that that was not going to happen to Paul. And so it crippled and brought him to his knees. And that God, Paul asked God to let that thing depart. Another reason why I believe the thorn was just that messenger, that word depart is used of a person more often than a thing. So God's like, get this person, get this demon off my back and send it away. And God's like, nope, it's for your own good. You see, guys, regardless of what suffering you're going through, whether it's acute or temporary or whatever in your life, you and I have to make a decision to say, God, I may not ever understand why I'm going through this. Like, I know that I'll never understand all the depths of it. But God, I trust a couple of things. I trust that whether it's demonically inspired or not, I trust that you're in charge, that you've allowed this, and I trust that as painful as this is, it is for my own good. I trust that you're the surgeon that says this is going to hurt. But Lord, you're... I put myself in your hands, and I trust you. I do it today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Guys, it's easy for me to say these things. I don't like suffering any more than you do. But there's a deep lesson for us in the middle of this, that God never allows anything in our life that ultimately is not for his glory and our benefit. Not a thing. And pain is a part of it. And those things that we don't like and we want to change, experiences that we have, like, God, why did you put me in this family or this situation? God ultimately will use those things in our life for our good. Does that mean everything that happens to us is good? Not at all. Was this a good thing Paul was going through? No, it was awful. But God said, there's a purpose in here. I'm allowing this. And it's ultimately going to work out for your good. Third thing I want you to notice. Not only does suffering come from many sources, not only does, do we have a choice in how we respond to it, but the third thing that I want us to recognize is that true strength only shows up in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of weakness. True strength only shows when we are weak. You see, Paul summed up the whole thing. He says, hey, I'm going to keep going on. And for Jesus' sake, for the sake of Christ, I'm going to be content with this because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, God's strength is perfected. It's completed inside of me. You see, when you and I are strong in our own strength, there's no room for God to show up in our life. If you have everything in your life put together, there's no room for God to do anything great in your life. In fact, if you're, not, if you're not a sinner, God can't save you. Well, Sean, we're all sinners, I know. But when you and I aren't willing to even admit that we're sinners, like God's like, I'm sorry, I'd love to save you, but I can't. 
You think you're just good and got it all figured out? You're in my weakness is where God shows up and makes himself strong. A few years ago, some of you may remember, we had uh, the back part of our parking lot was caving in. It was falling into a little brook out back here. And uh, we had a lot of drainage and water issues, and it was quite a, quite a cave-in. You can go back there and see if you look at it. And, uh, and we had some, some rock dropped off trying to slow the drainage down, keep from cutting the bank away and all of that, and, and some, some other things in there. And we could have shovel full by shovel full, rock by rock, by hand filled that all in. But I'm glad that, that our guy said, yeah, let's don't do that. Let's rent a skid steer and bring that little loader in here and, you know, get that knocked out in a couple of hours and be done. You see, when you and I admit our weakness, that we can't fill that hole, we can't overcome that obstacle. That's when we turn around to something bigger, stronger, better than what we can do in our own power. Now here's the deal. A skid steer is a small little thing. You've seen them, little bobcats make them, a lot of companies make them, but you know, just a little little piece of equipment. But if you've got a bigger hole you gotta dig, or something more that you're going on, well you wanna upgrade. Now let's bring in a legit backhoe in here, get something bigger. Let's go a little bit bigger. See, if, you, if you've got just a small challenge, a small suffering in your life, your little shovel might be enough. But when it gets a little bit bigger, a little tiny, you go from a little tiny challenge, you need a little skid, you need a skid steer, kind of as a small problem. But then when you get into a medium size, it's like, I need a backhoe to show up. And then when you got a really big one, you go out and get a big excavator, right, to dig that thing out and move what you gotta do. Here's the deal. When you and I have big sufferings in life, that's when God shows up in big ways. That God's presence is real. It's proportionate to the need in your life. And Paul had a huge thorn. It was a major jab in his world. It wasn't a little annoyance. It was a, 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 a not just a nuisance, but it could have been a potential life-threatening thing, if you will, that just brought him to his knees. It's like, God, take this away. I can't, I can't live. I can't go on. It's too hard. And that's when God said, my grace is sufficient. God backed his dump truck up and said, Paul, in the middle of all that you need, here's all the grace. And he just poured it and lavished it on his life. You see, real strength shows up when we're weak, when we're willing to admit we're weak, and we reach out to God for help. You see, these sufferings and challenges in life are not meant to separate us from God. They're meant to do the opposite. They're meant to draw us to Him. They're meant to draw us in relationship to experience His grace and His love and His care in the midst of, of real life and all the challenges of the world around us. And it it's designed to cause a, a closeness to us between us and God to, to bring us in communion and to help us in life. And when we begin to walk in that world and we begin to see the demonstration of God's power, not just the big showy things out there like the, the second grace experience gospel that I was talking about, like what Paul said, but we begin to experience God in the subtle, but the, the small things that are profound and impact us deeply, personally in our life. And when we begin living in that world, the results of that in our life are nothing short of amazing. Have you ever 
painted a room that was just, you know, I mean, just really bad. Maybe you moved into a house or whatever, and you worked, and you sit back, and you just look back, and just like, wow, that looks so good. Don't you go, maybe I'm weird, but don't you go in and get a cup of coffee and sit back and just kind of like, that really turned out well. Yeah, that, that looks all right. Did you do that? Do you do that? Am I the only one that does that? Maybe your thing's mowing the lawn. I don't know. Maybe you particularly after cleaning up or whatever, you sit back and you mow and like, wow, that really looks good. That mowing does not do it for me. I just get through it and it's done and it's like, okay. But, you know, what, whatever your thing is, there's something probably in your life you're like, that turned out really well. Well, folks, this is what suffering does in our life. God is sitting back and he's inviting us to sit back with him and say, wow, those results, that's amazing. Look at that. It's a complete, a complete change. It's amazing. Look what this suffering does in our life. Hopefully that helps you and I to embrace it a little bit. But we get to experience the, the amazing grace of an all-sufficient God in our life. That's what he says in verse 9. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah, this thorn thing is big. But Paul, my grace is bigger. And it's enough to be a healing hand in your life. It's enough to protect you. It's enough to give you security, Paul. It's enough to comfort you. My grace is enough to heal you. It is sufficient to take care of that. You see, when you and I begin to walk in that world, we begin to experience the grace of God in our life deeply and to value and to treasure that more than everything around. And when you and I walk through life and we're in that world, then we're not only able to handle that challenge, that struggle, that difficulty, but we can handle the next one and the next one and the next one. And it produces such an incredible strength and blessing in our life as we experience the grace of an all-sufficient God. We begin to praise God for His strength and the work that He does inside of us. That we don't Worry. We don't fret. We're not blown away or overwhelmed. We get to walk in, we begin to walk in the world differently. And rather being blown around like a ping pong ball or an old, the old pinball machines, just bouncing from thing to thing and thing in life and just, you know, feeling like we're coming apart at the seams, we begin to walk through life with a strength and a, a confidence. I was reminded as I just kind of meditated and prayerfully thought about all of this, I was reminded of the, the salvation story of John Wesley. He had pastored a church for two years, incidentally, two years that he was not a true follower of Jesus. He believed in God, believed in the gospel at some level, but he was not born again. And he's on this ship going, I don't remember if he was coming from America to England or whatever, but he was on aboard this ship for a, a, a number of weeks, making it across the ocean and uh, there were some there were some German followers of Jesus there. There were a number of his own countrymen from England and, and they made a storm along the way, just a, a crippling storm. I want you to notice how he described these followers of Christ from Germany. Uh, they're, they're, we know them in church history as Moravians but he says this about them. He's, I'm reading from his journal. He said, uh, he said, at seven I went to the Germans, seven o'clock, this is his own little journal. I had long before observed the great seriousness of their behavior, of their humility. They had given a continual proof by performing servile offices. We would say like service. They were serving people. And they, they performed those offices for other passengers, which none of the English would undertake, for which they desired, and they would receive no pay. 
saying it was good for their proud hearts, and their loving Savior had done more for them. In other words, these followers of Christ are doing things on board ship that nobody else wanted to do, humiliating things, and they said, it's good for our heart to not be prideful. And every day they had given them occasion of showing a meekness which no injury could move. If they were pushed or struck or thrown down, they rose again and they went away. But no complaint was found in their mouth. They put up with that stuff from other people. There was now an opportunity of trying whether they were delivered from the spirit of fear as well as that from pride and anger and revenge. In the midst of the psalm, they were reading the book of Psalms, wherewith their service began, the sea broke over, the ocean, they were in a bad storm. The sea broke over, split the mainsail in pieces, covered the ship, and poured in between the decks. So, you know, picture the, the people having a church service down in the, the hold of the ship and they hear this loud crack and boom and the waves and everything tossing and all of a sudden water just starts rushing in. The, they said, uh, this they said, um, a terrible screaming began among the English and the Germans calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, were, not, were you not afraid? He answered and said, thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? He replied mildly, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. From then I went to their crying, trembling neighbors and pointed out to them the difference in the hour of trial between him that fears God and him that fears him not. You see, when you and I go through these struggles and these sufferings in life, it produces inside our soul a sweetness of trusting in our God. As a pastor, I've walked with many people and through various trials and struggles in life, and I've seen some people just bear some horrifically difficult, brutal kinds of things with just a sweetness and a simplicity in their heart, no bitterness, a lifetime of things that they have had to endure, that God had just, His grace had worked all of that in their life, which is such a, a joy and a sweetness and a blessing. That's what Paul's talking about here, that teaching us, producing this in us. That's what Paul means when he says in verse 10, for the sake of Christ, I'm content. I'm content with weakness. You see, the suffering is designed to teach us contentment. What a great blessing it is for you and me to truly be contented in life and not be so feel so pushed and pulled and controlled and maligned and manipulated and all of the things that pull at us to just be content. Be content. Whether it's COVID, whether it's government, whether it's coworkers, kind of internally mocking or making fun, whether it's family members, oh, you're always talking about that stuff, just to be it content. And Paul says, I'm content with weaknesses. I'm good knowing that I'm not strong because then the power of God shows up. I'm content with insults. I'm content when people mock me and publicly try to humiliate me. I'm okay with it. I'm not coming apart the seams. I'm not falling apart. I'm not crying. I'm not running home to mama. I'm content. I'm content with hardships and persecutions and calamities. I'm content. 
And what that ultimately produces in our life is the ability to endure, to continue on, to continue on in serving our God, to not throw in the towel in a particular area of life. But through the middle of that suffering and that hardship, God is trying to produce in us something beautiful. See, the mistake that you and I so often make is we try to process these hardships apart from God. Or we, two big mistakes, we either try to process them apart from God and just we try to, I just want this all taken care of. And God stand, I think, it's almost like I get the picture of God like in heaven, like, you want to help? You, 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 you know, I'm over here, I'm ready to help you. And we're too busy. Or we put God on trial. And it's like you and I are the prosecuting attorney and we make God in the, the you know, in the box and we, we put him on trial and we accuse him. You don't love me. You're not taking care of me. Why are you doing this? And you got to make this sense. It's got to make sense in my little brain. I don't care if you're wiser and smarter and know everything in this life. I don't care that you've told me over and over again that you love me. You'll never do anything bad for me. But right now, I don't believe you. And I want this worked out. I don't care if you told me that you're a patient God, but I want it right now. That's convicting to me. I've done that. You've done it too, I bet. And God's like, Sean, I'm trying to produce something bigger in your life. Trust me. Trust me. I've got something much bigger than your comfort in mind. So guys, find strength when you're going through those struggles, when you're going through those suffering, when life is not turning out the way that you want it to, there really is a God in heaven that loves you. And he's trying to teach you to trust him, to be secure in him. He knows it hurts, but he won't let it hurt so much that it will absolutely blow you away. His grace will provide, will protect, will guide. So I want to challenge you this morning is where are you when it comes to suffering? Are you allowing God to work in your heart? Are you taking those opportunities every time like I'd hit my finger and just, whoo, every time you get stabbed by that, do you take it as a reminder to run to God for strength, for encouragement, are you allowing God to show himself strong in your life? See, God wants to do something so beautiful in us, but it happens a lot better, easier, with less pain and travail if we're not throwing a temper tantrum. Instead, we're saying, God, help me. I put myself in your hands. I trust you. That's what, when salvation really starts is when we put our hand, self in the hands of our Lord Jesus who died for us to save us from our sin and go all in and trust him. Recognizing that our own stuff isn't good enough. And that moment forward, God wants us to learn to trust him even more and more and more and more and more and more in our life. So would you see your life in that way? Would you see this morning the struggles that you're having? Would you see the struggle that maybe your friend's having and maybe, maybe you need to share this video with them? I don't know. Or maybe there's a couple things in here to remind them of. 
Don't be that person that says, well, you know, this is turning out to be for your good. It's good you're going through that. I mean, who really wants to hear that when they're suffering, right? At least you might share that in principle, but do it a little bit differently. But maybe God wants you to share it with others. So I don't know how God has spoken in your heart today, but he wants to give us encouragement and hope and strength in the middle of our suffering. So I'm going to challenge you to respond to him, to take that next step in your faith, to trust him, to walk with him, to endure with him, to ask his grace. It's okay to ask him to take it away, but you need to be ready if he says no or not yet. You need to be okay with that and get to be okay with it. You see, eventually you got to work this out to where you come to peace with it. If you don't come to peace with it, you're going to get bitter. You're going to get angry. You're going to turn your heart off to God. You're going to try it in your own strength. You've got to come to terms with this. However you come to terms with it, God, I don't get it, but I get it. I don't know why I have to do this, but God, I get it. I trust you. That's the place where you and I need to go. So pray with me. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus who loved us and died for us. Father, forgive us when we don't trust you. Forgive us when we try to settle for things far less than what you want in our life. And God, these are hard lessons to learn. And Lord, I must confess that there's part of me that doesn't want to learn them. I admit that. But Lord, help us to increasingly more and more to mature in our walk with you, to endure the suffering, the hardship. And Lord, would you help us to just reflexively, regularly just run to you when the pain hurts, when it's difficult, when the waves come washing over our bow. Lord, would you strengthen us and would you show yourself strong in the middle of our weakness? Forgive us when we try to be strong on our own and not strong in you. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Unusual, guys. The world around us says, be strong yourself. You can do it. But we know better. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Have a great and blessed week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.